Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. My guest on the show today was Stephen Coonsley. And what Stephen does, he'll explain more, but he helps organizations move onto the cloud. And in particular, it tends to be organizations that have pretty strict security or scaling requirements. A bit after our conversation, I was taking a break and moving some wood chips into the garden for my wife today and was reflecting on my conversation with Stephen. And I think one of the moments for me that I think was most illuminating, you'll hear me at some point in the conversation say to Stephen, you know, if we took an excerpt of what you just said and played it without the context of who you are, I think a lot of people would think that you're a management consultant. You know, he was talking about things you would expect some sort of management consultant to be talking about, things like process and lines of communication and team structure and stuff like that. And as I reflected on it, to me that seemed like a very illuminating moment because, okay, let's be honest, I have a bias here. Long-term listeners of this podcast know what the bias is. On the one hand, it it is about this idea of specialization and, and the benefits thereof. But also, it sort of, you know, expanded version of that idea is that your technology, your, your pure, pure technology skills will only take you so far. So far in terms of value that you can create and demand for your services. And I guess my thesis here is that it's almost, uh, I think, mandatory that you combine those raw technology skills with something else. And the something else, I think, I don't want it to be a mystery. I don't have great language for what it is. But it's through conversations like the conversation I had with Stephen that I think you start to get a glimpse of what that is if you've never seen it. Now, if you have seen it and tasted it firsthand, you know exactly what it is, even if, like me, you don't have the greatest language to describe it. But to me, it's it's vital. You have to couple your raw technical expertise with something else to really make that transition out of the confines of what a pure technologist can do in terms of value creation. And again, I, I want to hasten to add that you can do a lot <laughs> in terms of value creation. Okay, I'm not trying to insult my audience or... Uh, diminish who you are now if you're some sort of generalist software developer. But I think if you want to really build a business you can retire on, there's a number of things that are going to assault your ability to do that if all you can bring to the table is raw technical skill. And so as you're listening to this conversation with Stephen, pay attention to how he talks about the other stuff beyond just the raw technical skill, which in his case is, um, you know, skill with AWS, Amazon's AWS suite of cloud hosting products. Pay attention to what he talks about that's beyond the confines of that raw technical skill, because I think he's really illustrating one of the uh, uh, secrets is a sort of overused word in marketing, but, um, you know, it's that thing beyond just the raw technical skill that you have to bring into the mix in order to, I think, really 
deliver tons and tons of value. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stephen. Okay, Stephen, we're live. Thanks for being here. Stephen, who are you and what do you do? Hi, my name is Stephen and I'm the principal consultant at Qualmente and we guide teams to AWS securely and at scale. So this generally means, uh, you know, we work with clients who they're facing some sort of business problem where they need to uh, grow by say five, 10x and they have a, a very nice top line revenue problem and we help them solve those problems securely using the cloud. How do clients find you? Uh, that's a wonderfully succinct description of what you do and who you do it for, but how do the clients end up finding you? So that's been quite a journey over the last two years. And it's kind of, I think, a natural progression um, for a lot of folks in that uh, there's uh, you know, a referral network and your existing professional network uh, via LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, and the people maybe who you used to be an employee for. And then I also work a lot with the local Phoenix meetups. Uh-huh. So in the DevOps and Docker space. Okay. Got, yeah. I, I find like that matches to a T what most people tell me, which is like, well, you know, it was existing network connections at first. And then, um, you know, I had to go somewhere from there. You and I met because you're on my email list and you responded to it, to an email I sent out to the list where I was asking about client concentration and you were telling me about transitioning from a situation where you had a lot of revenue concentrated in not a lot of clients to mm-hmm. something that's, you know, where the revenue is more broadly distributed. So can you talk a little bit about like kind of the, you know, the situation you found yourself in probably I'm going to guess as a natural byproduct of most of your new business coming from like you're an old employer or old associates, et cetera. Right, right. So my first couple clients and, and existing clients are there. I still work with them. Uh, you know, they did come out of my professional network and, and I first had engaged them and helped them solve problems um, in uh, like a traditional um, time-based engagement. Mm-hmm. And then as I was seeing what was common amongst uh, what we were doing with them. And then when I was talking with other uh, prospects and potential customers, I, w- I started to define things that were uh, defined services that I thought were useful across them. So in a sense, I'm trying to refactor my business in the, in the software uh, sense of the term and pull out the common things um, make, and, and help people understand the valuable bits uh, of what they need to do and, and accelerate their journey uh, into the cloud and make it fun uh, wherever we can um, and just de-risk that transition for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be for a moment, maybe I am the dumbest guy in the room, but I'm going to be that guy for a moment. Um, so you said looking for the common uh, bits mm-hmm. and that makes sense to me. I, I know that makes sense to you. What did that actually look like? Um, I'm not asking you to like name clients or 
give away oh, yeah. details like that. But I mean, how how does that unfold? Because I think a lot of people would love to be able to do that. They just haven't experienced it firsthand. So I'm hoping you can kind of bring that to life for them. Right. So in my world, a lot of this comes down to uh, people understand uh, pretty easily that they want to take their application and they want to scale it up Mm -hmm. uh, on AWS or one of the other major cloud providers. Mm -hmm. What they don't necessarily understand is how to do that, like what the network uh, needs to be like, what kind of security uh, features and facilities do I need? Um, how do I get my application there? So mm-hmm. whether that's continuous integration and delivery, like what do those constructs even look like? And so these are, these are all things that are common across uh, the industry. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's many ways to solve them. And I've chosen to solve them with a particular set of technologies and, and really focused on trying to help uh, customers with high security needs uh, because that helps me tune my uh, language and marketing and my implementations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of creating a scalable uh, service catalog, you, you know, I want to have something that's uh, – easy for people to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and um, do a security assessment. And I, that can just be done with a credit card all the way on down to some uh, engagement that is going to take, uh, you know, a quarter or more um, and, and be a much higher touch engagement that may involve other people on my team as well. Right. I think you've probably heard this quote that's attributed to Henry Ford, and he was, uh, I don't know if he actually said this or not, but, you know, he was attributed with saying, if, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of wisdom there is that sometimes people don't know what they really want. So when you're looking for these kind of patterns, are you, is it coming from things you've heard your clients say, or is it more like, you know, what's best for them? And it's focused around the the problems that they all have in common. Well, yes. So there's, in terms of building a faster horse, one of the things uh, that clients certainly expect me to do is tell them that uh, you know they don't necessarily know that they need a saddle or some reins. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I say, yeah, you you know you should have an intrusion detection system or the HIPAA regulations say X. Um, and so they're looking for that knowledge uh, to help them understand what it is that they don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they want to know how I should I what are my options for solving this problem and help me understand the implications of different solutions. Uh, and then, you know, do you have any code that automates any of these? Uh, is is often a follow on. Um, and and it's true that. As I work with more and more clients, I see things that, uh, you know, like certain ideas um, that may cross over and and, uh, may be useful to apply uh, from one client to another. Um, You know, it almost always requires a little bit of uh, adaptation um, outside of, you know, basic network security and, Mm -hmm. and uh, those sorts of principles, but you know, so that, that is a, another point of 
specialization, I feel that because you have the broader context, um, you can, you know, establish and build a knowledge base that uh, you can reshare and, and like guide your clients on to, to new things and provide value over time. So for me, it's less of a risk to productize a service because, uh, you know, because some might say that like, well, if you productize your service, um, then when that service is done, like, then what do you do? Well, first off, for me, it feels simpler uh, from a business growth perspective to go find additional customers for that high value service. But on the other hand, as I work with additional clients, I'm also gaining skills and experience and knowledge that I can then reshare to everyone. Um, you know, whether that's just pure content or like, Hey, this is a new development in the industry um, to like, you know, here's what here, you know, we last worked together in 2016. Here's what we're doing in 2018. Right. Interesting. Okay. So, how how do you how are you seeing another thing you mentioned was like kind of finding the valuable bits and people who work in the world of infrastructure i feel like they have kind of have it harder <laughs> because so often infrastructure is viewed as a cost right like oh we got to you know acquire this server capacity and it's not really thought of as an investment, I don't think, but what do you see from your perspective and, and how possibly do you get clients to see it as an investment? Yeah. So I think that is a, a still a pretty common perception. It, it depends, I think a lot on where people are, where businesses are in their growth curve. Um, many of the, the, people I work with, they have recognized that they're at the limits of their current um, infrastructure deployment mm -hmm. and that like literally to grow the business that they have to grow their infrastructure. And so it becomes a simpler connection to this project supports top line revenue growth right. when that's the case. On the other hand, there's, I think you're, you're very much correct that infrastructure uh, teams often have trouble communicating um, what kind of value it is that they that they do bring to the table, which is essential. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, and if if you talk about your value chain from uh, customer down, you know, to server, you know, it includes the whole stack. Um, and one of the big challenges I face is helping teams recognize that that initial move to the cloud, there's a lot of uh, that iceberg that's below water that mm -hmm. has to do with uh, network and security and just deployment stuff. They may have solved these problems in their existing data center or world, uh, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, even more. And so that they're not quite accustomed to thinking about like big migrations and big projects and how to even tackle them. So helping provide some structure and some language and, and help manage expectations around how challenging it's going to be to learn a whole bunch of new stuff, but then also give them an option for some training to help them do so. Right. Right. Uh, but to, to accelerate that project, um, you know, that's, that's a big chunk of what I do. Right. Uh, is, is really help people explain 
um, what this transition is going to look like and give them some options for what the roadmaps look like and help them understand key decision points that they're going to need to make. How much of that is intimately tied to the technology you're using? For instance, you're using AWS. If AWS went out of business tomorrow, and you were like, well, I guess we'll use you know Google's cloud platform. Yeah. How much of that would be different? Uh, so it's kind of funny. I did a survey of the major cloud providers uh, a couple months ago to help me understand this problem. And, you know, going to something like GCP uh, would definitely, that would, that would position or repositioning my business would probably take, two to three months. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think Azure is, is more, and that's due to the nature of Azure is, is I, at least to me is, is different okay. um, in, in structure, whereas GCP is more similar to AWS. But at the same time, a lot of the principles around, and that's more of like the implementation side of things. Many of the architectural um, principles are really going to be similar across those clouds. And so the choice to specialize in AWS is really more about uh, meeting customers where they're at and then being able to build a really deep portfolio of implementation and expertise uh, around the existing services. And when I'm satisfied with uh, the depth of those services, then, you know, I might add a GCP or mm-hmm. I might go ahead and say, yeah, let's do Azure because it's definitely looking like a, a really strong number two. And I understand a lot of the kinds of customers that are going there. Oh, can you talk more about the last part, like insight into like the type of clients or understanding their world do you are you vertically specialized at all or right now would you work with like any business that wants to make this transition from what they have now to aws so this is this has been developing a strong set of customer personas Mm -hmm. that i do and that that i want to work with and hope to communicate and like demonstrate value to Mm -hmm. has been critical in getting my business uh, to the point where I'm genuinely happy wrapping up a week. And so I really look towards uh, businesses that have uh, high security needs. Ah. Uh, they're trying to grow uh, that they're, you know, they've got some business reason where they need to expand. Okay. Um, you know, whether that is their marketing has finally gotten traction and that, you know, now they've got an MVP that is turning into a very successful business, or perhaps they've got, they've landed some large new client, uh, that, you know, brings PCI or HIPAA into scope. Right. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to bring a set of solutions to those people that are like, yeah, you know, we have a, uh, healthcare focused startup, or we have a finance or banking focused, um, you know, enterprise that we need to grow or some, some portion of enterprise I need to grow. Okay. So, so you have a sort of very a reasonably small basket of, um, I, w- I mean, I would use slightly different language, but it doesn't really, it's not meaningfully different. I would just say a basket of verticals mm-hmm. where you know mm-hmm. that they've got, 
um, you know, compliance needs or, or business needs that make them likely to be a good fit. Is that sort of how That's you correct. see it? Okay. And, and that they are first looking to manage uh, the risk around this new opportunity. So um, I don't know if this is going to put you on the spot or not, but you said like you, you are actually able to make it fun for them, which I think most people would say, well, that p- can't possibly coexist with risk management. Like risk management is the serious thing. So I'm curious if you can elaborate a little bit on that. Um, I, sure. I imagine you can. There's probably some way to do both, but they do seem to be at odds. Well, right. And and certainly there's the serious side of, you know, reading through, um, you know, HIPAA or whatnot. Right, yeah. Um, but the way I like to try and make this fun is first off, uh, we giving people the confidence that they are going to be doing something that is safe uh, for the customers, for their company, um, and kind of getting the crazy out of their delivery process. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, trying to help them not be surprised by things. So I mentioned that I, you know, one of the reasons that I'm working with clients or they want me to work with them is that they want for me to help them understand what it is they don't know. So helping keep them, uh, keeping them from being surprised. And of course you can't lay it all on them at once, right? There's a progression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we can either move through the uh, list of things, you know, from an architectural point of view or from a delivery point of view, it doesn't matter. I think too much, mm-hmm. but uh, really helping make their journey smooth um, and helping them uh, build a robust solution that makes them the hero of the project. Um, so, you know, going back to like just classic marketing language, right? Like really trying to help them do that and help them achieve um, their own goals um, while they achieve their business's goals. Yeah, and that doesn't just end with <clears throat> the sales copy on the on some web page, right? That you you're really sort of hinting at how that that goes throughout the life of a project, where empathy and a desire to for your clients not for you to be the hero, but for your clients to be the hero, right? Right, right. And and this is really where I uh, I mentioned helping helping teams understand what kind of magnitude of a journey they're embarking on and to help them understand that there's uh, in order to do make this journey in their environment which involves a lot of risk management here are some things some practices that we're going to follow and some things you're going to learn and giving them a roadmap for actually doing that so one of the things i i do is i help teams assess their skills and identify gaps and and ways to fill that uh, knowledge uh, with a curated set of curricula for uh, things like AWS security and networking and uh, delivery and so forth. So, you know, that, that's really what I, I mean and like helping make it comfortable and fun because a lot of teams out there, they haven't um, had a lot of, uh, space given to learn the new thing. So they're always under the gun to deliver this fancy new reliable, you know, infrastructure or delivery process or whatever. 
Um, but you know, they, they're asked to deliver an application, a mission critical application on top of it at the exact same time. And so what, one of the things I do is I really try to help uh, make space for that. And whether that's managing expectations with the, with the clients, uh, stakeholders and decision makers, or giving the, uh, like a training program or just advising people on where it is that they're going um, and what things to, that they're going to have to navigate. Yeah. And you could do exactly none of that if you didn't thoroughly understand the underlying technology, you know, the AWS platform or really the AWS universe of stuff like that. Every time I look at a list of all the discrete services that are under the AWS cloud, it's like, Geez, that's like a you know a menu at a at a Chinese restaurant. It is. Um, <laughs> so you couldn't do this other stuff without the underlying technical competence. But and I and I have to just let everybody know, you included, Stephen, that I have this you know sort of bias or filter that I see things through, where I think you know the technical knowledge is important, but that's what creates competence and competence is not, I don't think what delights clients, what, what delights clients is real expertise. And to me, the distinction in, in what you're talking about is all these, um, you know, maybe you call them soft skills or maybe it's the consulting part or really it's, it's sort of the communication part where you're, you're helping them with how they think about this more so than, and, and that's on, that's layered on top of being able to do the work. But to me, that seems like that's creating a lot of value for your clients. Right. Right. And so one of the talks that I've been getting a good reaction on recently, it involves really helping people understand that the the delivery processes and the organizational structure that they have within their team, uh, within their organization are really the things that are, going to either most enable success or most impede success. And, and like literally, you know, things like Conway's law come into effect here and the people who need to, um, you know, if we're talking about doing some new full new deployment uh, in AWS or whatever, doesn't, doesn't the, the platform is immaterial. You actually need to get the right people talking to each other and sitting next to each other and not communicating through project managers uh, solely anyway. Um, and that these are, these are communication paths that maybe don't exist in the organization right now mm-hmm. because they haven't, they haven't done something like this in 10 years. Um, and to help them understand those kinds of factors and reposition people like literally, you know, so they sit next to each other, uh, which really helps enable success. You know, if we if we excerpted like the last, I don't know, 45 seconds or so of audio and told somebody that they were listening to a management consultant, I think most people would be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So isn't that kind of funny that, um, you know, that, that that plays a role in your work? Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's less funny and intentional on from my point of view. Right. Uh, because I realize or I recognize that this is a huge chunk of the problem. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like one of the fundamental involved. risk factors that you're dealing with, right. Is, yeah. is, is how the project is run from a people perspective. Right. So that's very cool. Um, how long Stephen, did it take you to, um, feel like 
you were the expert who could help shepherd your client through this, you know, these sort of unknown waters? Well, you know, it, I feel like I am conservative by nature, although there are some folks out there who think, uh, I'm a, I'm a big risk taker. So Mm. I guess opinions vary. Um, and you know, what I've tried to do is, is because I, I'm more comfortable coming from a low risk uh, point of view. I've always uh, tried to grow my business by working with clients in a way that like, where I clearly say I'm an expert in, uh, space X and, you know, maybe that's containers or, um, and then, and then expanded that scope Mm -hmm. over time as my expertise has grown. Um, and so uh, that's how I've done it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if I answered your question entirely. That was a, I mean, that was great. Like, am I right in saying that you would prefer to start with a small subject area so that you can feel like you've mastered it and That's satisfy right. that part of yourself that doesn't want to screw things up, which all of us That's have right. that. <laughs> where I can go and, and genuinely say, yes, I can do this or my team can do this for you. No problem. And to put a, a nice value based uh, delivery uh, together yeah, uh, and, and hopefully have, plenty of time to just do other things that delight the customer right. within, within that engagement, as opposed to be scrambling to, to solve particular problems. Uh, and so it's taken me um, 18 months, maybe two years uh, with the help of some, you know, very good colleagues of mine who are at various uh, points on, on a similar journey uh, to kind of develop the expertise to uh, understand how to market uh, a little more clearly uh, and to create, you know, a scalable uh, set of services with around a core um, bit of expertise that, you know, really does provide a lot of value to people. And, and so now I'm excited about being able to go and find customers who need this. Uh, and, and I'm confident that there's a lot of them out there and, and that we can have great fun together. <laughs> I want to reiterate that for the folks at home. So <clears throat> I always like to compare um, things to the gestation period of a human baby, nine months, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> in only two, you know, human gestation periods worth of time, you, yeah. you've really made serious, deep changes to your business. Yeah. And in fact, I am a new father and it happened. The business took longer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, it almost always says <laughs> um, it, it, it's, you know, maybe not as much fun too as uh, making a baby, but <laughs> it's um, anyway, go ahead. I am inter- got carried away there. Go ahead. Yeah. Steven. No. I, and I, I think that's exactly, that's exactly right. And just as I help manage expectations with clients about how long their transformations are going to take, you know, I, when I'm speaking with others that are considering moving out of their current position or, you know, doing something else, I say like, look, you know, you're, you're an expert in, you know, three things that you just talked about, you know, you could, you could build a business around any one of those things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
here's a here's a curated list of resources uh, plus with people helping you. You might be able to do it in six months, right? right. But don't don't cut your runway short. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's going to take time to do it uh, even reasonably well. Yeah. Well, we started this conversation with the notion of um, client concentration where too much revenue comes from too few clients. And I'm curious, so as you've built out these specialized services, um, how have you generated interest in the services? Like what's worked for you? And I'm particularly interested, this is just a note for the folks at home, um, anybody who has a horizontal specialization it can be it can be difficult to um, find your clients because if you don't really know what they look like, you just know what problem you can solve for them. It's hard to find them in a demographic way, like oh, they're going to hang out at this conference or they're going to be on this list of companies. Um, so, Stephen, I'm curious how how do you find your clients now or the new ones that you're trying to find? Right. So. I've, I've read books like Traction and Lean Startup and so forth. So I've been working through this idea of having different traction strategies uh, for finding prospects. And one of the first things I did is, is around uh, New Year's of 2018, I set my strategy to really work on my marketing and lead generation mm-hmm. Uh, in Q1 and then try to work on sales uh, efficiency and, and value in Q2. Okay. And uh, so in my marketing and outreach, what I decided to do was focus on partnerships, uh, a little bit of outbound using LinkedIn and inviting people to with content uh, according to the uh, outbound strategy that, I, that appeared on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also referrals. Okay. And so it's interesting. Each of each of these actually had success in Q1. Um, I think that I've uh, I, I've been working in the meetup uh, world. Mm-hmm. So this is you know doing technical meetups after hours, you know, in the evening mm-hmm. uh, for a few years, and. I'd been struggling really to help really connect um, to potential customers uh, this way. And not that it was solely for that uh, because I just enjoyed working with the community and and mentoring and helping people along their own journeys. Um, And and real quick, uh, just real quick, just for context, did I hear that you say that you were in Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona? That's correct. Okay. Okay. So, um, not as big of a city as Los Angeles, New York, whatever, but still not a small city either. Right. And one of the parallels to Los Angeles is it's uh, very geographically distributed. So literally getting people to the meetup is <laughs> a real challenge. Yeah. <laughs> is, a, is a challenge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing things to experiment with, to, to help, uh, get greater attendance or greater diversity of attendance and so forth. But anyway, you know, one of the things that I did that uh, was helpful is, you know, I was, I started to invite people uh, to the meetup and this had a positive effect on the meetup. You know, we got more people there. Uh, And then we also, I was able to connect with them and, and 
you know, sometimes they would ask questions about, you know, what it is that I do. Right. And, uh, you know, that's been, that's been good. Um, and I think it's a pretty scalable mechanism, at least for the scale that I'm looking for, right. uh, which, you know, it's, it's super important to be clear about what your own business objectives are. <laughs> right. I mean, how many clients over the course of 2018 would be a great year for you? Uh, like three, yeah, four. Right. That's what I figured is it's, you're not even at that. Like a lot of people, I ask that question and they're like, oh, 10, which is yeah. still not a lot compared to a larger uh, business. Yeah. And right. That's that's what I figured. Anyway, thank you. Um, so cool. are the meetups working better now or are you just finding that content and direct outbound outreach is working better? Uh, both. Okay. And, you know, we've recently done some meetups at, at different locations. Uh, and, you know, really one of the things I'm looking to do too is, is help other companies in the Valley uh, who are interested in developing uh, talent and, and getting a, uh, you know, really building the base of expertise here in the Valley is actually connecting them to the people who are interested in doing that. Like they've carved out somehow some time in their evenings to, to go do technical things, mm-hmm. but then also help those companies understand that they should be developing people internally and what some of the options are for that too. So, uh, you know, ultimately I, I see the, the meetups as a way to help grow and connect the technical community here in Phoenix. Uh-huh. Uh, and also I like doing sort of crossover partner partnership kind of meetups with other, uh, so the, um, I help organize the DevOps and Docker meetups here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are big data and JavaScript and, you know, the whole gamut of, of meetups. And so, um, connecting with those organizers and, and doing a little bit of crossover and helping say software engineers understand more about what is going on underneath, uh, their application is, is a lot of fun. That's great. Um, well, I have a few questions about the outbound and the content marketing. Uh, I'm hoping you can share mm-hmm. with the folks who are listening, um, what are you doing like specifically there that you feel like is contributing to the success of those? Well, so what I was trying to do was help get pockets of expertise, uh, that I know exist in the Valley engaged with the meetup. Um, and you know, at, at least create awareness. Uh, and so what I did is I, I and my team identified, um, people who were already interested uh, by virtue of their titles and, and other things in, in LinkedIn uh, that they were interested in DevOps or d- delivery, application delivery or the cloud or scaling. And then we just did a simple program of reaching out to uh, 10 of those per people per week um, to let them, to invite them to, present something at the meetup actually. So the the hardest thing about running a meetup is content and getting speakers. (laughs) Okay. Um, So this, in order to run a successful meetup, of course you need speakers. And so one of my primary goals here was to literally get more speakers. Um, 
and then, you know, so that's happened. Uh, and also to help them know that if they're looking for someone to help them go to the cloud, that these people exist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't have to go through a recruiter. <laughs> right. You know, you make it sound so easy and I'm going to uh, halfway jokingly say, well, maybe that is because it's, I mean, maybe it's not easy, but it, it's actually pretty straightforward, right? You're not describing some elaborate system. No. You're just, no. Um, you're trying to connect people together and it sounds like be of service. And, yeah. and you know, yeah. maybe those are the two primary elements. Right. And, and be of genuine value. Right. So, um, you know, even in the outbound LinkedIn kind of process uh, that you had shared or on the podcast a few mm-hmm. months ago, yeah. um, you know, you, you need to, even if you're working a funnel, like that funnel, it has to be a value to people in order for it to be effective. Uh, so, you know, you do have to make sure that if you're, uh, going to be walking down one of those things that actually have thought through what the content that those people might be interested in. Yeah. And that goes back to personas and who it is that you're really trying to reach and talk to. Now I mentioned reaching out to 10 people per week. That's, that's I think a 10th of what uh, had been recommended um, or Mm -hmm. illustrated uh, and for me, that has been fine to achieve all of my objectives. That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of this uh, old school uh, direct mail copywriter Gary Bensavenga, who said, "Your marketing itself must be valuable. I mean, right. not just the thing you're selling. Yes, that has to have value too. But yes, your marketing itself has to be so valuable that it earns people's attention. And, yes, and. Yeah. I've, I've also come to the conclusion that I can give away, uh, especially since I'm developing such expertise, um, I can give away big chunks or things that look like big chunks of that expertise uh, because I have so much of it. You just said, uh, we had, for the folks at home, we just had a brief technical issue on the call, but you just said you can give away what, what to your prospective clients is a large amount of expertise from their perspective, because you have so much to give and I can't think of a a better sort of final note to end on than that. I just wanted to reiterate it. Um, I've seen, I've seen that too. And I think anybody who's achieved, um, you know, kind of gotten past the superficial level of just competence and started to build real expertise would probably agree that, you know, you could probably talk all day if your voice would last that long about a number of things related to your work. Is that right? That's, that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, as part of my engagements and, and just working with people, you know, I will give them uh, designs and white papers and so forth that, you know, if they were to go and do themselves would probably take them 20, 40, 60 or more hours. Right. And like, it's just, it's just no problem because the well is very deep. I love that. Well, Stephen, where can the folks at home who might have questions or be curious about what you're up to, uh, where can they go to find out more? Sure. So Qualmente's website is at www.qualmente.com, Q-U, 
A-L-I-M-E-N-T-E.com, which the name Qualmente comes from a mind for quality. So I'm very much into uh, doing things well. Uh, and I'd love to talk with anyone who's interested, whether it's about cloud stuff or business development. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Stephen, and thank you, Philip. Your work has been immensely valuable for me and my colleagues. So I, I really very much appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, again, I just want to reiterate, I'm very grateful for you taking the time to be here and share what you've learned with, with the listeners of this show. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad to be on.